What's up, folks? This is your boy, DJ Ben Amin, and on this episode of Special Delivery, we talk about True Detective, which actually was good this week. And we also get into power, and the power of Tasha's lovely all-blue lingerie. I don't know, man. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. Welcome, Internets, to another episode of Fan Bros Special Delivery. You're here with your boy, DJ Benjamin, holding it down for the Chico Leo, who is, as usual, out hunting with his Wookiee family on his native planet. And in the spaceship tonight, I am joined by... Illawyc. what up, fam? Yes, you are coming in loud and clear, LYC. What's going on? We're here in the space pod tonight. It's a lot going on in the world of TV. It's hot at night in New York right now. Hot at night everywhere. Oh, Lord. But we are here on Special Delivery, Fan Bro Show, the voice of the urban geek, to bring you all the latest in TV this week. And, yo, I got to really say something right off the top. True Detective finally had an episode where I didn't want to fall asleep halfway through it. Really? Yeah, man. I really, yo, I really enjoyed this episode of True Detective, entitled "Other Lives." Okay, um, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Okay, all right, because you know, I, I like the time jump we got. I couldn't really figure out how far ahead they jumped. I heard uh, something. Sixty-six on, days. Okay, I heard them say six days. I'm, I was like, that. I know it's a longer than that, but okay, sixty-six days since the bid shootout last episode. And so I really like that because this was the first episode where I felt like the characters were desperate. And when they were desperate, you really saw them do some interesting things, you know, other than just the usual mumbling around, you know, that they do for so far this season. And see, my takeaway was completely different. I thought it was the first time that the characters were calmer. Um, Velcoro is off the drugs and he's trying to be straight and narrow so that he can fight the legal battle to get his son back. Um, Frank's in a whole different place where he's had to, you know, move out of the, the, the Lux mansion. And now he's kind of living a suburban life, more, you know, scaled back and normal. Um, Antigone Bezzaridi, she's getting the Lester Freeman treatment down in the uh, evidence room. <laughs> nice. And, uh, well, what is his name? Woolbridge. I can't forget the dude. Taylor Kish character. I always forget his name. But, you know, he was kind of trying to settle into the wife who doesn't love him now, seeming to love him. And, you know, kind of getting into the family mode, uh, despite, you know, the entreaties of her lip mom and her problems with that whole situation. Jesus. But it didn't it didn't reek of, of desperation so much as, you know, most people had kind of moved on with their lives. But when people try to get out, they get pulled right back in. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm give you credit just for even remembering three out of four of the characters' names because I struggle with that every week. I can't let I know Frank and I know Ray, and that's about as far as I go. It's Taylor Kitchen, you know, Shorty, because I can barely remember the actress's name half the time. But no, Rachel I, McAdams. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I actually like her work a lot. And I thought she had a great episode. This, you know, her scene in the self help. You know, police academy was really great there because yeah, that, that was awesome. Oh man, and the reaction from the rest of the cops and the whole that that was great. It was 
straight <laughs> how men would do. Yeah. Like, no, she, no, let her no, continue. No, 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 let her talk. Let her talk. <laughs> But no, I thought I feel you like it, even though they'd settled into new routines, I feel like they're all desperate to get back to what their lives really what makes them really happy in their life. And that's, you know, especially for Taylor Kitsch character is being back on his bike, not living this little family man life. And then, you know, the scene with him and his mom when he's looking for the cash and can't find the cash. That's what I mean when desperation's hitting. And that was one of the best scenes, I think, you know, acting wise that the show has had so far. I mean, I, I get that and I feel that, but I just I just thought you meant by desperation across the board. You know, early on, Frank was desperate because he had lost his five million in the deal with Casper going sour with Casper's death. But I didn't think that um, anybody else kind of had that desperation. I mean, Taylor Kitsch, he doesn't want to be in that situation with Shorty. He doesn't want to be married. He doesn't want that to happen. But at the same time, he's trying to do the right thing and trying to get the money and trying to, you know, I mean, the confrontation with Herpy Lip Mom, it wasn't like a big deal to me. You know what I mean? It just seemed like she did what you would expect her to do. You know, she's a trailer park trash uh, old drunken lady. You know, that, that's what she's going to do. You don't leave 25K with her. We definitely have always had our lines of the week on power. And I have to say, line of the week on True Detective this week was, you're a good looking white man. You could do anything you want because <laughs> <laughs> my line, my line actually came when uh, Vince Vaughn dropped this gym, "Blue balls in my heart." Oh wow! <laughs> which just sounds like a terrible condition to suffer from. <laughs> but it was more of his, you know, speechifying and the things he does, you know, where they try to make him sound all poetic, like he's fucking Socrates of gangsters. You know, I really, uh, I've, I've accepted that Vince Vaughn is what he is on this show, but I'm also learning or really realizing that the wife's acting might not be up to it either. And it's just their scenes just do not do it for me in any way, shape, or form. So, But you know, oddly enough, I enjoy their relationship and I enjoy their interactions because wow. she... I feel you on the acting being a bit off and maybe stiff or something like that. But at the same time, she I feel she really is into him. So I buy into their relationship. Like, I believe she has his back. I believe she really wants what's best for him. You know, what I mean, the actual emotion and the caring comes through. And even though he's kind of going through his macho posturing, I believe that he cares about her and wants to do right by her. And this episode, we really got more into them having kind of a date night and exploring their relationship more and it was really cool you know what mm -hmm. i mean we've seen before how she kind of supports him in his, his 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 gangster dealings but in this one we got a taste of their home life and their family life and it was less of the kind of overly poetic speechifying and just more of them chilling watching a movie drinking wine and you get to you know see more of that personal connection that that um that i understand that that is relatable and that is very much missing from the relationship between Angela and Ghost on Power. But we'll get to that later. Oh, well, I mean, we'll get to that real quick. But, you know, just as we finish up the episode, like you say, their relationship seems to be on the mend. But uh looks like the past is coming back to haunt them as Ray comes knocking at the door and says, we need to talk. And I don't think that should be a good talk for either of them. Yeah, I you think so. But I think we're going to get a swerve on that. I mean, because it was painstakingly obvious from the first episode that Frank's a gangster. He's just feeding him some information. You know, oh, yeah, Ray had, definitely. He had no way of vetting it. He was just trying to get him under his thumb. Yep. And now Velcoro knows what any fucking idiot would know. You know what I mean? 
that he just gave you a picture of some dude that we need to knock off. Like, how do you know who this dude is? So yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting, an uh, interesting uh, callback, and the fact that they actually have captured the the serial rapist responsible for the rape of Valcoro's um, uh, uh, wife. Yep. So, and Valcoro is, is actually going to finally find out whether he wants to or not, whether or not who's the daddy. But, yeah, like I say, we might get a swerve on that, but the ending of the episode definitely had Ray looking heated, uh, Frank holding heat. So, you know, I don't think it should be a good conversation between either of them. Well, it's not going to go quite the same way as when Velcro visited the, the father of the son who stole his kids, LeBron's. No, definitely but, not. Um, no. I, I don't think it's going to be pleasant. You know, and what I like about what the show has been doing is that if you look at the trailer for the next episode, they have no shots of Vince outside of him sitting at the table. So you have no idea if he's going to make it through that conversation. And I appreciate ah. HBO for doing it. It's the same thing they did when Valcoro got shot. And then in the trailer for that episode, they had no shots of uh, Colin Farrell's character at all. So you didn't know. And I like, you know, I like the fact that their teasers do. They do tease. You know, it's like, is it is he or isn't he or what's going to happen? And I appreciate that. But um, before we go on, we've got to really touch on the big change of the episode, which was the new task force that was created by uh, D'Angelo's mom from The Wire. I have no <laughs> idea what her name, her character's name is on this show. But, you know, she creates her underground task force. And you kind of see a very different take on things, you know, because in the first episode, it ended with the three of the our main uh, protagonists coming together. And in this one, they come together in under very different circumstances. But you see that Wood, Woodrow, I think is his name, he's chomping at the bit to kind of get back into action. Antigone is wanting to hunt for the missing young woman. And Velcoro is the one who's kind of hesitant, you know, because now he's doing his side hustle for Frank. He's not a cop anymore. He's like in a good situation. He's just trying to get his kid back. Yep. And, you know, D'Angelo's mom uses that leverage to its full potential, but she's not even grimy about how she did it. You know, so everybody kind of seems to be. They're more trusting. They're in a better situation, but they're also more focused on really trying to get to the bottom of the Casper murder, which uh, the city and the state in the previous episodes had no real interest in trying to solve. And most people watching the show have no real interest in trying to figure out who did it, unfortunately. But, you know, I guess that's what this show is hinging on right now. So we'll see what happens with this little task force. Definitely, like you said earlier, it feels even more like The Wire now with the addition of the, you know, special task force of all the rejects being put together. But, you know, if you're going to bite a show, bite the best. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. Eat heartily. Yeah. But another show that could probably use some biting of The Wire is Power. And uh, like you said before, you have a little problem with uh, Tasha and James relationship. Well, not Tasha and James, but Tasha and Angela. They have the most, you know, that that fake. Um, we I've, I've loved her since high school and it really comes to a head in a conversation that should have been had like last season or long ago where Tasha finally confronts James or ghost about why does he why her that's the title of the episode yep. why does he love Angela and he manages to provide no fucking valid reason whatsoever <laughs> outside of I knew her from fucking high school <laughs> And she so, taught me Spanish, dude. She taught him Spanish. So what? Hey, you can learn man. that on the back of a fucking rapper or something. Man, come on. <laughs> he could have bought a Rosetta, a Rosetta Stone Rosetta for all Stone, this mess man. that he's in. Yeah, but I no. Mean, um, once again, I you know I've been saying that since day one on this show, Yuri. Like their relationship is completely 
unconvincing. I cannot get it. I say it all the time. You know, take a shot every time since they know they said they've known each other since high school. And you'll be drunk before the episode's over. And that's it. And, oh, girl, Tasha's reaction. That whole scene has Tasha coming out like a boss. Yes. And that also has my great quotable. But her reaction is, that's it? You've known her since high school? You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why you're choosing her over me? Like, I've, I've been down with you. I mean, Tasha's case is just made right there. It's like, what the fuck has she done? You just missed her? That's it? Yeah, and, and it was course- also a really great scene for Tasha, you know, the um, shorty playing her. Because, like you said, that that's it. And also, what am I, just some, you know, replacement, some secondhand choice? Like, that was some acting right there. But the best line is, keep fucking her until I tell you to stop. Wow. Gangsta. Tasha just bossed up. Like, this is our plan. We're going to keep our empire. And Tasha's trying to look out for herself and her family. I mean, it, it seems like all of her love for ghosts is just gone at this particular point in time. You know, earlier in the episode, it seemed like she wanted to put that pussy back on him. But now it's like it's dried up, you know. So Well, she didn't content. have to put it back on him because she put it on old boy real quick. Yeah. I mean, she has a new little play thing. Um, even though her mom is kind of urging her to, you know, we know you're playing with Sean. And you really need to hook back up with Ghost and stop bullshitting. But it just seems like, you know, the well has run dry for Ghost. And Tasha's basically <laughs> going to use... She's going to use Ghost for her ends. You know, Ghost, you keep hitting uh, the Spanish hottie and we're going to play her to get out of the situation. So, I mean, to me, this episode of Power, um, it had its moments, but it was kind of lacking. You know, it kind of seemed like Ghost was spinning his wheels. Uh, There was no real forward motion on that front. Um, We get more of the fallout from Holly and she desperately tries to find anything to kind of provide evidence against Jane St. Patrick. Angela is doing the same stupid shit she's been doing since the first episode. Um, and Knox is more suspicious of her. So outside of the real, the confrontation with Ghost between Tasha and Ghost and the end scene where uh, Tommy and Holly finally, you know, the cards are finally laid on the table. Yes. It wasn't really much that happened. And the episode kind of treaded water to me. No, definitely. You said it best when you said that James was spinning his wheels because the whole episode was definitely spinning his wheels. But like you said, we did have two great scenes between the two lovers on this episode. And I got to give a shout out to my line of the episode. Are you out of your fucking mind? From <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> yes, because... you, and then he just proceeds to just call it every slur. And wow. Like, on, son. I mean, like, really? Like, you know, tell her how you really feel, Tommy, because that man, geez. You think Holly ain't fucking with you no more, bro. That that relationship is over. Well, I mean, the way I see it playing out in the next episode is Holly is still just going to leave him locked up, but she's still going to try to do something to fight for their relationship. Like, he's not choosing, you know, she gives her that choice, which is ghost or me. And I think she's still going to try to, uh, she's not going to do the smart thing and run away. I think she's still going to try to Im- implicate a uh, ghost. And Tommy's probably going to end up catching her and killing her in the season finale. If, you know, that looks the way things are going to hit. Yeah, I definitely don't see her making it out of this season one way or the other. Like, that, that thing has run its course, and there's there's no real repairing that from all those slurs that we're throwing out. So, it's got to I mean, there's no repairing back. it from you talking to the feds. There we go. Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, come on. It doesn't, I, man. Tommy, still I, my favorite character, easily. Nah, Kanan's my dude. That's what I'm waiting for. I got to see how he comes barreling back in. For real. Because we that's saw some two movement. episodes without him now, and that's a damn shame. Yeah, but I understand it. You know, you got to, you gotta, you know, 
You got to cage the pit bull for a little while before you unleash Terra again. So I don't know how they're going to bring it back in, but I think it was interesting how they kind of, they made movement in terms of Lobos and the second in command to Kane and Dre kind of meeting and having their handshake deal and Lobos make, emphasizing, we got your back, not Kanan. You know, so I think that's going to play its part. Um, and surprisingly, I think 50 Cent's going to make it to season three. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, there's no way 50 Cent doesn't make it out of this season. 50 Cent is alive as long as his show is on the air. You can guarantee that. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think what I can see happening is the dude Dre and Lobos, you know, getting together and making a play for Ghost uh, and Tommy's territory. And maybe season three kind of dealing with dissension between Ghost and Tommy. And then, um, you know, uh, uh, it's not Lobos is not his name. Um the other Latin guy, his name is escaping me, and Dre getting together, and they're, they're just kind of start plotting. And the big twist would be Kanan having to come clean and end up working with Ghost and Tommy, for real. I think that's going to happen eventually. There's no way that you can keep this crazy dude, you know, just running around shooting people gleefully and eating sandwiches and not put him down with your squad. Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> nah. Nah. Um, speaking of crazy dudes, though, can we talk about Mr. Robot this week? Because LYC, I'm fully convinced at this point that Christian Slater's character is a figment of somebody's imagination. Mr. Robot himself, you know, I actually, the namesake yeah. of the show. Yeah, I mean, we get more and more evidence as Christian Slater is not really interacting with anybody else. But the big thing to me was that we finally see the other characters are real because we see them away from Elliot. Yep. So we, we see uh, the Muslim young lady and Darlene out, you know, trying to find the, the uh, other hacker team. And we see the black guy and, you know, the kind of heavyset hacker. They're doing their thing. So, OK, they're real people at the very least. The only person we don't really kind of see outside of Elliot's interactions is uh, the Christian Slater, Mr. Robot character. And the only time he actually interacts with them is when they're in the hotel room. But even how he interacts could be taken as him not interacting. So it's like they're really playing it up in this episode. In this episode, it was really like apparent that he's not there or they're really playing up the idea that he's not there. But whether or not, we still don't know. But I don't know, man. It just seems like it would be such an easy thing if they just flip it and be like, this is Fight Club Part 2, you know? And that doesn't seem like that this show would be that easy. So I don't know what's going on. But this episode was definitely, once again, like I said before, every time I think this show is... That trippy, it takes it to a whole nother level of trippy. And this episode, see, man. This episode was trippy, but it, it bored me, you know, in a way that really? kind of like, yeah, it pulled me out of it. When, mm. he's, when he goes to the hotel and starts having the, um, the drug-induced, you know, dream or whatever, like, it was, I don't know. It just kind of started losing my interest. You know, I was just kind of like, all right, you know, and I, 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 it seemed so obvious, like, he's having some kind of drug-induced um, trip. And like that's cool. We've seen it done before. Not as dope as in train spotting. Um, and it was cool, but it's like, okay, what's the point? You know, and then it cuffs, he comes back out of it at the end, and now he's ready to go and they can go on their hacking way. Well in the next episode. I think the point of it was to show, like they said, that, you know, in during the hallucinations, he keeps saying that he chose this life. And then also the key, you know, in the hallucination just keeps showing up again and keeps getting past him again and again. So there's definitely, you know, something about it and i think that's more of dealing with who christian slater or who mr robot is and who elliot is and what their relationship is 
and whether or not, you know, Mr. Robot is somebody from uh, Elliot's past or not is the real question here. And well, I, we get, go ahead. We get our first signs that Elliot may not be who he says he is. Definitely. As that's clearly brought up when they say that you're, I think the line is you're not Elliot or I'm not Elliot. Yep. And also. Toward the end of the dream. Yeah. And also Mr. Robot tells him that, you know, you're the key to this. Like everything is around you. And yeah. And then the woman in his, I mean, his uh, best friend in his dream tells him you're not Elliot. Isn't it obvious? And then her last line is cut off as the, you know, screen fades to black. So you're not sure exactly what that's about. But there's definitely a lot going on on the show, and I'm not sure that they would make such an obvious Mr. Fight Club uh, bite. But I also got a biggest shout-out to that I really love the little, during the hallucination when he's getting to talk to his fish, and his fish tells him to just put him by a damn window so he could see something else other than the same life that he sees every day. So I like the hallucination yeah. scene, man. I don't know. I wasn't as you know down on it as you were. I like the transition between the fish to Shorty eating the fish. Yeah, I thought man, that was that's hilarious. I mean. The transitions were <laughs> ill during the hallucination. It wasn't train spotting level, of course, but you know, overall, I wasn't but mad at it. It wasn't that. It just, it just was bored me. You know what I mean? Like I just like I started watching a WWE on my phone. I was just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm like. I, I was just like, you know, okay, you're, you're losing me, son. You're losing. I need, you know, somebody to come in with a defibrillator, some. Now, nah, what more so. lost me was the um, uh, conversation and interaction between the idiot boyfriend and the idiot girlfriend who are still plotting or whatever they're plotting to do, try and insert this disc, and I don't know. That loses me every time they come on stream because this guy is such an idiot, and I just cannot believe she's been with him through all this mess, but. Yeah, I mean, the only high point of that was it led to, like, a brief lesbian kiss in the bathroom. And, eh, who cares? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it done better, like you said before. So, (laughs) (laughs) personal experience much? Okay. you know, that's for another episode of Fan Bros Show. (laughs) But, you know, before we get out of here on this special delivery, there's a couple more shows I got to cover. We got to cover The Strain. I know Illa is not caught up on it. And last week, I was really down on it. And then everybody attacked me in the comments on Twitter, on Facebook, through smoke signals. People were hitting me and letting me know that I'm not understanding that The Strain is meant to be a cheesy horror movie type show. So you have to take the cheese that goes along with it. But the books weren't written that way. See, I've heard the books were. And I As a cheesy horror? Like, I don't know the show, but I'm familiar with the books and any of my readings of it, I mean, I haven't read the whole series, but it was more of a, a straight ahead, you know, it's Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. You know, well, he but it said was a, the show wants to be take. more cheesy. And I think the other thing is that, like people pointed out to me on Twitter, is that in the books, the, the time frame is a lot longer. So you believe that this doctor can learn how to shoot and learn how to cut off vampires' heads at any moment. And, and this has been so condensed that it seems a little unrealistic. But... If you look past that, I still have to say I've messed with the strain, something tough. If you like gore, this episode had, I mean, it's up there. It's topping pretty much anything I've seen. Well, no, The Walking Dead does a lot of great things for gore. But this episode had a use of two people using silver-filled grenades to clear out a room of vampires. And Illa, it was awesome. (laughs) It was was awesome, y'all. I was... I was definitely impressed by that because we hadn't got to see the silver grenades used yet. And the silver grenades went off without a hitch. There was heads being chopped off in slow motion. 
vampire heads flying this way and that. Um, all of this done by the Russian who cannot seem to find an accent that suits him. And this hacker girl who cannot seem to find acting that suits her. They, <laughs> so we got the multi-purpose accent going on? Oh my god, yo. I cannot tell if he's Russian or what. It's so ridiculous. But they clear out this uh, I mean, building full of vampires. And then decide to have the corniest, cheesiest sex scene between any two people ever. In the middle of a pool while there's a vampire apocalypse going on. So... Like I say, you, you got to really ignore the cheesy in this show. And if you ignore the cheesy, you know, there was a lot of good things going on this episode. Professor Zarkarian, I think I got his name right, the old man, is hunting for a way to kill the master in the present. But we also got some flashbacks in this episode to a younger one. And it was dope, Ella, because it was like um, Days of Future Past when, you know, the younger version is doing an impersonation of the older actor playing himself. Mm-hmm. So that and you know I really like the younger Professor Zarkarian, so that was really nice, and you got to see him you know hunting, and it was kind of like his more of his origin story. So you saw how he acquired his cane, and a few other things, and then also in the same episode we had Nora and F really searching for a cure for the vampires, and the name of the episode is called By Any Means because it seems that Nora and F, the two doctors, are just sinking down the hole like i said on twitter they're going from neutral good to chaotic evil very quickly because they are like desperate for a cure and will do anything to get it done so i'm not nearly as down on the strain as i was last episode i really definitely enjoyed it like i said if you like gore and action this episode had it all boy it was the silver grenades and the heads chopping was on point on and point yet- Still not enough to convince me to watch this show, but eh. Oh, man. I don't know, man. I'm enjoying the strain again. You know, I was hating on it last week, but I'm back on the wagon this week. So, all right. We'll see how long that lasts. (laughs) We definitely will. But, no, this episode had a lot more going for it. And, like I said, you try to ignore the cheesiness. You got to ignore that this hacker and this Russian are just going to, you know, get it on in the middle of this pool with vampires, whatever. You know, roaming the woods. Oh, before I go, though, I got to mention that there is also this show. Not only did it have the gore on another level, the creepiness was on another level this episode. Because in the last episode, the master resurrected F's wife or like gave her a little bit of her intelligence back. Because these vampires are not smart other than the master. Like the rest of them are just like mindless hunter killers. And so he gave F's wife, who's been turned into one, a little bit of her intelligence back. And also took these blind children and raised them all as vampires. And so this episode, we got to see the blind children vampires. And dude, it was so... Yeah, it's creepy to another level. The way they move, walk, communicate with like clicking noises because they're all blind. It was definitely something... I do not recommend this for anyone who you know is easily going to have nightmares because that was up there. That was disturbing. Still not enough? No, not at all. Well, all right then. So uh, what else are you watching then, LYC? I mean, I'm checking out Ballers. Um, I've been following Ray Donovan, but what I really want to get into is Ant-Man. But we don't have a lot of time in the special delivery, but I want to know what your thoughts were. I know you checked it out this weekend. I liked it a lot. We're definitely going to express more of this on the show this week, on the regular show. You can also check out Illa's review on fanbros.com. 
and I enjoyed it. You know, I don't want to get too much into it, but I really enjoyed it. It's a good, you know, another entry in the Marvel series. So I'm not mad at them again. Definitely. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Yeah, out of Age of Ultron and Ant-Man this summer, I think Ant-Man wins again. Wow. Yeah, well, it did. It had more heart. It had good action. It was a winner. I want to see it again and again. It was the first time I really was like, yeah, I really want to check that again. And a lot of that is on the strength of Michael Pena and um, even Scott Lang, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. Yes, big shout-outs to Paul Rudd, who definitely did the Chris Prout role to superstardom in this movie, boy, because, man. And it He's got me amped for Captain America Civil War. Yeah, as if I couldn't be even more, but nah, definitely the you know, ending last scene stay throughout the credits because that will definitely have you ready for Civil War. Cool, man. All right. Uh real quick, as always, you know what it is. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram at Fanbro Show. Follow us on SoundCloud, like us on Facebook, hit us up on iTunes, leave a comment, leave a Five-star rating, all that good stuff. (laughs) And, yo, one last bonus thing before I get out of here. I've been saying this because people have been telling me I finally got to check out Humans on AMC this week. I watched a few episodes. I will be fully caught up by next week, and we'll definitely discuss it on the show because I'm really enjoying it. If you haven't seen it, Humans on AMC, it's a show about what happens when people finally get, like, robots that are like human-like and what does it mean and it explores a lot of different you know philosophical themes and whatnot so i'm i'm enjoying it so far definitely check it out humans on amc and we'll distress it more next week cool man i want to drop one little nugget um i'm thinking about doing some kind of contest i don't really need more 20 twitter followers so i might give away some original art just at Illawasi, add me, and then I'm going to figure it out. And in the coming weeks, uh, as we hash it out, we'll figure it out. Get back with us. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Special Delivery. This has been your boy, Ben Hameen, alongside Illawasi. Peace. Fan Bros. Fan Bros.